By asking the question this way, Jesus is showing what is most important is not defining who your neighbor is, but instead asking yourself, what kind of neighbor am I? Let's not miss the wording of Jesus' question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Rather than letting this lawyer keep the issue at arm's length, Jesus goes straight to his heart. The real question here is not what someone else has to do to qualify for my help and my mercy to become my neighbor, but what kind of neighbor am I? Being a neighbor is a way of life, helping any and everyone God puts on our path that needs our love and mercy is the life we are to live. In this week's sermon, John preached on Luke 10, 25-37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Today, we'll discuss questions around this parable and more. Stay tuned from Glen Ellen Bible Church. I'm Matt Marone. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm Simone Halpin. Yay, Simone! <laughs> I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 176 of The Next Love. Light of the morning, you shine forever, your name is Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are we doing? All right. Welcome, welcome back, Simone. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Beth Moss is um, away. She had some extracurricular activities. Something in life came up. So, Simone, so fun to have you. Pleasure, always. Can you reintroduce yourself? Is this your third time? Am this I is adding? my third time. I was also Veteran. thinking about that this morning. <laughs> uh, well, I, my husband, Anthony, and I have been coming to GEBC just a little over a year um, we have four children. We live in Wheaton and I'm the executive director of a nonprofit called Naomi's house that partners with GEBC. And ages of your kids. Thir my daughter, Maddie is 13. My son, Eli is 11. And then my son, Asher is eight and our youngest live, uh, she is three. Asher. That's a, yeah. I like that name. Oh. That's Straight a, from the Bible, I Kelly. Know. Which, which <laughs> tribe is that? He is the tribe. He is, yeah, the tribe of Asher. <laughs> I was going to say. Okay. It's one of the 12. Right. Which oh. one? I meant, we're in the... <laughs> I like, oh, I don't know. Oh, like what number was yeah, he? Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was Dan, like, wait. Asher. That's all yeah. I remember. Okay. I probably at one point knew who his mom was. That's but great. But let's look Love at my it. notes. <laughs> Tell us what uh, Naomi's house does. Just refresh our memory. Sure. Yeah. So we're a residential program. Uh, we support women who have been victims of commercial sexual exploitation. So our program helps them start a whole new life as they come out of sex trafficking. It's an awesome ministry. How many women are you currently caring for? Well, that is a fun question to answer these days um, because earlier this year, we launched our second residential program, which is a transitional program. So we have roughly five or six. It's funny, I used to know these just off the top of my head, but we're just growing and moving so fast. Um, I think we have five in our transitional program, and then we can have up to eight in our home, which is in West Chicago. And so the home is, I'm going to say phase one, the transitional program, let's say phase two, and these are graduates then? Yes, in the transitional program. That's right. That's great. Yeah. And you had a new partnership with a, a Chicago-based. Yeah. How is that going? Well, it's still up and coming. Okay. So just like everybody else feels, the pandemic has slowed some yeah. pieces down, which, you know, we're not discouraged by. We feel like 
an all all in God's timing. Yeah, do. we do have a. I don't know <laughs> how many listeners do you have. Should I say this to the whole world? But um, you can. We're, we have a soft. We're, we're right behind Joe Rogan. <laughs> For, listen, yeah, he's number two okay three yeah uh april 1st is the goal we have to open the chicago site so cool. um or partner with another organization to yeah. open yeah so and you, you have some new offices you're moving into yeah that's next summer 2021 is going to be a big year so <laughs> okay. 2020 right? was the year of planning that. fasting brain 2021 we have some momentum for sure we're excited about it's awesome yeah awesome. There's, there's yeah. that just thought in the back of my head, probably other people's too, right? Like that, that 2021 is just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. hold my beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it better be better. It better be better. I, I don't know what, like that's a threat to 2021. <laughs> right. It better be yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because if it's not. I love personifying years. Um, <laughs> Tell so, us about your, the small group that you guys are doing. Oh yeah. It's been yeah, so fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's a neat, first of all, the audience is really neat because, um, that's not the right word, but the participants, because uh, everyone who's in it self-selected to yeah. be a part of a conversation that we have over Zoom on Thursday nights around the topic of justice. So it's not as if someone's like, what are we talking about this week? Everyone's <laughs> there and engaged and uh, fascinating. You know, they all have their own stories and bring their own experiences to the table. So we we really try to keep it to an hour. That was kind of the commitment. And I feel like we're having to wrap up and it goes by so fast that we, um, we have such great, rich conversation. Is there a curriculum that's guiding this or a book? Yeah. Um, yeah, we use, um, through you version, there's a justice study. It's super short. It takes very little time to go through it each day. And then, um, Anthony and I just have added some complimentary, um, passages and thoughts behind it um some devotionals as well so um that we go through ask questions i mean literally we ask one question and then the whole conversation yeah 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 yeah. it's such a neat group of people we're really enjoying it and have you guys been to an outdoor service Yes, we came in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Your southern uh, roots are showing. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I mean do, I mean you guys are there a lot. Yeah, we came we came often and as frequently as our schedules allowed in the summer. We did, you know, still traveled a little bit here and there um, over the summer. And then um, we just have fallen into a routine of really enjoying watching the service as a family at home. <laughs> That's all right. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And now, because I, I mean... If you can only hold so many people indoors, we also felt like I'm sure there's demographics who need that more so than we do. So we just stay in our jammies and drink coffee. And It'll be awesome. interesting on that note to see who shows up this Sunday, mm-hmm. yeah. November 1st, as we, we're back inside. At the uh, recording of this podcast, it's currently snowing outside. So it's a- It felt like it was snowing on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. I was freezing cold standing up there. Oh, yeah. It was cold. Yeah. I had to take my gloves off because I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't turn the pages right. of my notes. Sorry. It's, it's really not hard. all about me. <laughs> well, it's just hard to focus in preaching when so, you're freezing. Yeah, you and I debriefed after the sermon, and I said, that was the most I have ever just stuck to my script. Right. right. Ever. Just yeah. read the words. I, I just kept telling myself. <laughs> yeah. Read the words on the page. Yeah. <laughs> Make this direct and simple. Yep. Just stick with your script and be done. Everybody wants to go home. I was, yep, I was, I was you know, 
you know, play, playing through a song and reading down the chart, and I was, you know, a couple yeah. of places ahead, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, here comes a 16-bar instrumental. Nope. We're going right <laughs> into the next verse. Here we go. Follow me. There's no repeating of the chorus. <laughs> I know. Everybody again. Funny how the spirit led you both short. short. Yes. Yes. That's because the spirit was inside. There was actually a couple moments where I was like, I, I should say more about this like t- you know kind of like talk about it and i was like <laughs> don't do that john don't do that so that is the last one for a while which is funny because next weekend's going to be 55 and sunny gorgeous mm. out potentially our last actually the next two i mean one's a long forecasted way out but they could be really nice sundays but yeah. we have to we got to make a change you know you got to got to go with it so we need to commit Yep. Yeah. So same. yeah, we'll have two services, nine and ten thirty. And if they fill, it'll be. We should start a little pool. A know? little, oh, like a. Oh, you want to gamble? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just want to gamble. Just I want to clarify. Win. I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. After this week, you know, after we, you know, if services are full, and we'll continue to add services, and as people so. grow more and more comfortable and yeah. register and show up. Yeah. Remind those of us who might not have remembered, how many people can you have in a service at one time? So we will start with 100 in this room in the the worship center, Mm -hmm. and then we'll have children downstairs still. Okay. Additional. uh, Okay. Up to 100. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah. And and the number for children uh, downstairs and other people in the building will correlate with the with the hundred people in here, correct? Right. So yep. like whatever that means. So if the Halpins come, mm-hmm. you're bringing your mm-hmm. four tribes of Israel mm-hmm. with you, right? <laughs> so if you guys come, you're two, mm-hmm. but your four kids, if they do children's mm-hmm. ministry, they do not count for in the, the 100 yeah. inside of the worship yeah. center. Wow. Be, Who gets to be, keep track of all that? Right. The computer systems. Okay. <laughs> Yep, and uh, student ministry is planning to be inside on Sunday as well. I think there'll be more information coming out from them So yeah. on Sunday night. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's get into some questions. He was the seventh son. Asher okay. was. Okay, the perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect number. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of fits him. Seventh son. <laughs> All right. In some res- question number one. In some respects... It's easier to love strangers than to love family and friends. Let's be honest. You see someone hurt alongside the road and you don't resent them for how much time they take in the bathroom every morning or their angry outburst full of belittling language. I hope you get what I mean. My marriage is on the edge. What am I supposed to do? I know that this is too much for a podcast question, but I appreciate the opportunity to vent. I'll understand if you don't want to tackle this one publicly. All right. Question number two. (laughs) (laughs) This is absolutely a good question for the podcast. It is, and the anonymity of the podcast helps, I think, for someone to submit yeah. the question. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> cl- clearly there's you know a lot of um, frustration, hurt, pain probably going on in this in this person's life if they feel the need to say that their marriage is on the edge and and they need to vent. Um, so I, I you know my initial reaction is to say, you know, sorry, you're in this place. I mean, that's just a hard, hard spot and you're not alone. Actually, I mean, what we're learning and seeing here, even at the church is that the COVID season has been really difficult on families, 
uh, marriages, um, just the change in routine and the more time together and the, you know, the lack of stability in our normal lives has caused a lot of um, hard situations. So anyway, you're not alone. And I think we'd be happy to help resource this person if they needed somebody to talk to or whatever. Um, we would do that. So so that would be my initial reaction. I think we probably all share in that. Um, my second thought is that um, I want us to be careful a little bit here in applying Jesus's message about the type of love and um, care and compassion he's talking about to our interpersonal or our marriage relationships. Not that there isn't crossover, but the message in Luke 10, 25 through seven through 37 is not just to love strangers or even to love those that are closest to us. So it's a different message than that. It's a deeper uh, message. It's a message to love, to sacrifice, um, for those that we are radically opposed to and, and different than, um, it's the loving your enemies, uh, message. And that's how you love thy neighbor or love your neighbor as yourself. And our so, spouse could certainly feel like an enemy. It, they, it could. And, but my, yeah, my point would be. I'm with you. Yeah. I get it. Right. And this is more about me personally loving a right. fundamentalist Islamic, um, Totally, yeah, and I think what we you mean, we're going to get to some of those categories. Somebody asked the question at the at the end. I think we're going to get like, give me some modern day stuff, yeah. Yeah. you know, equivalents, right? And I think it's it's easy for us to think about hard stuff in friendship relationship or marriage relationships and think think, well, I I love my spouse. I'm being a good Samaritan. Well, that's not the application of the teaching. That's not what Jesus is going after. There are other after. verses. There are other verses that would be... Instruct us on... Yeah, appro- much more appropriate for those who are struggling to love people they, they know, their friends, their family, their marriage. Um, I, I grabbed a few of them and, and put, them, you know, put them down here in our notes. First Peter uh, 4, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So... That's the that's the message of bearing each other's burdens and carrying each other's that that's in a marriage. With those type. that are in our family, yeah, the family of God, right? Yeah, right. John fifteen twelve. My command is this: love each other as I have loved you. Romans twelve ten. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I think those teachings from from scripture from Jesus are are more applicable to a marriage type situation or their interpersonal relationships where you have um high trust you have you know should have high trust yeah and, and familiarity and familiarity and the goal of your relationships is deeper intimacy and that sort of a relationship the the goal necessarily here for the samaritan was not like a deeper intimacy it was um, a rescue, more. a rescue, yeah, and showing love and compassion in a radical way to those that you are opposed to, those that you would not, the world would tell you you should not be interacting. Frankly, those that you're not friends with, and they're not in your family, right? And and the goal, let me get get into this a little bit more. The goal of the Samaritan and the Jewish traveler was not like long term friendship and intimacy. Right. It was saying, don't draw boundaries on your love and who you would 
care for in a in a time of need simply on lines that are arbitrary, like racial lines, ethnic lines, whatever you have put in your mind to say, I'm not going to care for that person because they don't fit into the category that I have created as neighbor. Stop taking care of your own, mm. right? You could actually, yeah. Mm. Anyway. And so back to the question, um, it is true that in some respects it's easier to love strangers yeah. than to love those that you're living with daily. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, it's fairly common for us to treat with greater politeness mm. and, and I think uh, deference those outside our family than those inside our family. I, that's, it's not uncommon for us to be very short and rude and inconsiderate with those that are we're living with daily. Well, yeah, that's I mean, been the quarantine you, reality. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as as a husband and a wife hopefully grow closer to Jesus, the sanctification happens, right? So who you were 10 years ago isn't who you are as a couple now. And so I'm sure you, you've all had that, that time where you your spouse does something just to somebody else and you, you think, who, who are you? <laughs> Where did that come from? That was like super nice or that was super generous. Or what, what, can I get some of that? Like, yeah. you know, absolutely. I, I do think there is an application um, when you look at what you were saying, John, about um, what Jesus might be referring to or is referring to in this parable is that person's heart. Mm-hmm. And are we sacri- sacrificially loving other people or are we only looking out for me? Yeah. And that is clearly applicable in marriage. And, um, to this question, um, I would, I I would question or wonder back to that person, are you sacrificially and pursuing whatever reconciliation your marriage needs? And are you taking some of those steps toward healing or whatever it is that's brewing up bitterness that I can specifically think of my mom and my stepdad and how they went, they were married for decades and they came to a point where my mom was ready to move out. She didn't want to get divorced, but she wanted to move out and just live separate lives. And she was talking to Anthony and I about this a lot. And long story short, she, she was looking for us to give her a very, like almost an excuse, like what mm-hmm. you're the decision you're making. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing the right thing. Cause he's not treating you well or whatever it was. And I, I just remember saying to her, and I do think it was the spirit. Um, and I said, you just need to go home and pray for God to heal your marriage. Like, don't try to fix your next step, like where you're going to live and what are you mm-hmm. going to do about your finances and this and that. Like, I don't know how much have you sacrificially pursued reconciliation as painful as it could have been mm-hmm. um, or it was. And, you know, it's a it's a really neat story because I feel like God, God did heal their marriage and now they're healthy. Um so wow, anyway, it is a powerful, I mean, we are still kind of in shock when yeah. it's going so well. So anyway, that would be, it's there, you're a hundred percent right. The application, and, and as I was saying, there is some crossover, right? Mm-hmm. Like our hardened hearts is yeah. what Jesus is most interested in changing, right? right. Not necessarily our outward um, behavior. And so for sure, if your heart is hardened and you've drawn these boundaries, even in your own marital relationship, certainly Jesus wants mm-hmm you to, to give that to him and have him heal that and change your heart. So for um, sure. I don't want to, and you know, you, you are bringing up some, some of what I'm going to talk about, but I don't want to uh, just skip over that. This question asker asks, what am I supposed to do? Mm. I feel like there is a call out here, mm. uh, a cry out for help possibly if there's ways that we could minister to, without knowing, um, you know, the, the details, if we can minister to this question asker, 
via podcast right now, what, what can we say to this person to move forward? Um, I mean, the first thing I would say is, uh, I encourage, uh, um, yeah, I, I just want to encourage you that it takes a lot of courage and guts to say my marriage is on the edge mm-hmm. first and foremost, right? A lot of Christians, especially have too much pride have or insecurity or whatever to even admit that there's a problem, right? Like that's a, that's a common a characteristic shame. of mm-hmm. living out here. You talk about it a lot, Kelly, in your sermons that we, you know, everything's good. We're good. Everything's perfect. Put together, you know. So number one, um, yeah, we encourage you that you're admitting that, right? Yeah, what, totally. What else can we say? This is kind of what, what we else? were saying in the intro part a little bit, um, that we, you know, if if you are reaching out and need some help, you know, let us know. We can hook you up with people to talk to, we, we certainly as past, you know, pastoral staff, pray, pray for people individually together as couples meet and, and we do crisis counseling. Yeah. Um, usually I would say that these types of difficulties, bringing something back from the edge takes a team effort. Mm. And so on a team would be your pastor or pastors, uh, on the team would be a friend or friends that you trust on the team would be a counselor. Um, Someone that is a gifted by God and equipped to walk you out of the woods and some very get down in the minutia with you. Um, and so you really, to, to fix a relational problem in marriage, it, it takes a team effort. You need to be surrounded by the people of God and different people are playing different roles. Yeah. And first and foremost, as Simone was saying, pray. Mm-hmm. Prayer, right? Preceding all of it. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, question number two. The plainest reading of today's passage is that if we love as the Samaritan, then we will receive eternal life. Jesus said, go and do likewise. You seem to read between the lines in your sermon rather than read the lines. Seems like it is about earning one's salvation to me. Can you talk more about this? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I can talk more about this. I think uh, there's a couple different things I would I would say, but the first thing is that we know from the breadth of Scripture, from uh, multiple other places where Jesus talks about Himself, eternal life, salvation, that um, we know that it's not through our own efforts that we are saved. So we we would say that the the breadth of scripture, the teachings of Jesus are consistently that eternal life comes through him as we give, you know, our, our lives to him and have faith in him as our Lord and savior. So when we read this passage in the story, we, we know Jesus isn't offering a teaching that contradicts that core truth of how one is saved. Um, so this is a single story within a larger body of teaching made by Jesus on the idea of and the, the topic of eternity. So we interpret the story within this larger body of Jesus's teaching. So, you know, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through him, John 14, 6. So to say that we earn our salvation by being good Samaritans is to say we don't need to go through Jesus. And that would be inconsistent with as I was saying, the breadth of scripture and what Jesus has taught in other places. So, um, so since the good Samaritan story is about inheriting eternal life, we know that it is a gospel parable. It's a parable, 
um, to help this lawyer, but then also uh, to help us to see that trying to fulfill the law will not work. Only Jesus can save. So I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily reading between the lines. I would say it'd be re- reading the lines yeah, in, in light of and the fullness of what Jesus is teaching and saying here, not just the word-for-word word teaching that's going on, you know, I think that's, in, in, that's, in the, so the text. It's a broader context is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And it's good. So, and we look at the context in Moody's. So the question was about eternal life. So um, we know that that's the topic that he is on and that the story is pointing towards that. And if we know that eternal life is only achieved by by giving your life to Christ, by knowing him and as your Lord and Savior, then, then this parable is ultimately about Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we got to at the end of the teaching was there's, there's multiple teachings that are going on, on here. One is about being a good neighbor, and then two is about how you actually do that, and that's through Jesus. And I don't think that that's reading between the lines. I get where that question comes from because Jesus doesn't say it at the end. Like, well, you know what? We, we need to remember Jesus is, uh, he uses rhetorical strategy. Oh, 100%. Do you, do you all remember the rich young ruler? The mm-hmm. rich young ruler came to him and said, what must I yeah. do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell everything mm-hmm. you own and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he went away grieving mm-hmm. because he was very wealthy. In other words, it didn't go well for him. He missed right. it. He missed it at that point. He, totally. he couldn't enter in. He, he chose his money over Jesus. Right. And, and so the rhetorical strategy strikes me here as he's trying to humble this lawyer who we're told he comes to test Jesus and to justify himself. Jesus is, is trying to show him how bar, how high the bar is. Yeah. And, and the continual um, lowering of the bar or trying to manage the bar in the... You have to be nice to. Right. In the Jewish faith. I mean, this was a multiple scholars. And I think, I mean, even the New Testament teaching on how people treated the law and what the Pharisees were like. And we know that there was just this sort of managing and abuse of, of the law. And so Jesus is speaking to someone who's an expert in that and go to your point, Smo, he's going right to the heart of the matter. You know, you, you, you need to change. You cannot do this on your own. Um, I, I mean, Sorry if I'm pointing out the obvious here, but I feel like with the questions that were asked of your message, the questions that are asked in the message itself, we just gravitate to just tell me yes or no, yeah. black or white. And right. and I just feel like consistently Jesus is like, you know, it's about your heart or if is it, is it this or is this? And Jesus will always say Yes. Uh, It's just, he's, he's constantly asking us to to, to check our own motives and what's, what is driving our decisions. And, Mm -hmm. um, whereas sometimes we just want what feels like the easy answer is just tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we see that all throughout scripture and it's a great point because often we look at parables from a very linear Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, modern 21st century American kind of lens. Mm-hmm. And we can't help that. There's nothing wrong with the lens that we look at these things through, but we need to realize that this wasn't directly written and received by 21st century Readers. Americans. Mm-hmm. It applies to us. It can be understood by us. It can be, uh, the, you know, the word is still alive today, but we do a disservice if we think that Jesus told parables and wrote stories for 21st century modern America. You know what I mean? Like the man he's talking to is a first century Jewish lawyer, an expert in the law. 
And the way that the first century listeners around him and readers of Luke's letter would have seen this, my opinion is they wouldn't have had any question about what was actually being taught here. Like, I don't think it, we look at it and say, well, you're kind of inferring things and reading through the lines because that's the lens that we come at it with. My belief would be that the first century Jews and the reader of Luke's letter would have gone, oh yeah, I get what that means. It wasn't like cryptic in any, any sort of way to them. Well, I think we'd all be blind if we didn't interpret the rhetoric of Jesus within his broader teaching, because he says, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. So we have to understand uh, that there is a, a context, a broader teaching here. He's trying to raise the bar to show us how far we fall short. Mm-hmm. And just uh, as you were preaching the other day, I thought, who is it really hard for me to love? And I have a couple people in my life. It's really hard for me to love. And I have to do business with God on that because mm-hmm. I, you know, to be honest, I'd much rather be angry and bitter. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I sense that coming, I get a sense of how far I fall short. And without the grace of God mm-hmm. in the work of God in my life, in, in Christ's sacrificial death on my behalf, there's no meriting heaven. There's just, there's no meriting heaven. Mm-hmm. Good. You should have preached. <laughs> <laughs> Especially this past Sunday outside <laughs> without your gloves on. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number three. Okay. So I was in a relationship in which I thought I was loving as I was supposed to, only to learn that I was really just enabling dysfunction and participating in abuse. How can we tell when what we think is loving is really just codependence? So <laughs> I have preached on this before, and uh, I remember noting the fact that the, um, the foolishness of the man who gets beaten and left for dead irritates me. Mm. Well, like he didn't, he wasn't self-help. Yeah, it, come on. Like defend yourself. Pull your head out of the well, sand here, dude. Mm-hmm. He's half dead. Well, no, my point is, <laughs> what is he doing traveling alone? I mean, a it seems wise like the priest and the Levite were as well. well we don't remember; know that. it's just a parable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do. Why does it? I'm curious if you've oh, unpacked the, that some more. And and oh, the, the commentary on this parable, the breadth of the commentary yeah. in this parable is so ridiculous. I mean, there's a whole stream of this that's just talking about like Augustine is just talking about how the Samaritans actually Jesus, mm-hmm. and this is a picture of Jesus. Caring for us. Rescuing us yeah. on the side of the road, half dead. In our, but but, I, but I, it breaks down then. I mean, it just. I just don't think you're alone in thinking that, Kelly, which is why I'm curious. I mean, a lot of people would look at that. And right, that so is very applicable today, 30, to today. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you've ever studied the geography, right. it's the worst road. No one traveled it alone. But apparently this person traveled it alone yeah. and he got worked over. Okay, but maybe that's so he deserved maybe it. Maybe that's even maybe that's, that's intentional. I mean, that's what you're maybe right. that's well, an that's intentional showing detail. another level of compassion. That's what I'm saying. That's because my point. you yes. should be, even be Fine. more like, yeah, you got what you deserve, truly, because you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> I and I'm disposed to thinking that yeah. way. Even more mm-hmm. so, why I the think... Samaritan would be like, 
right. should just pass on by this loser. Like, not only are you a Jew, you're a dumb Jew. Like, not only are you right. my enemy, you're a dumb my enemy. Right. So I'm really um, not going to help you this well, time. Well, and also it gives us some insight into why the Levite and the priest might have said to themselves, it's too dangerous to, mm-hmm. to tarry. Right. Well, but what I you're am. pointing at is that you're, you're adding conditions to when we go and help the Samaritan. Well, the, the, the question here is all about codependence. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, yeah, there are some situations in which we may not be helping other people when we stop to help them. Now he's dying. I right. get it. But <laughs> again, I, I, I would argue <laughs> quickly. that we're making the, the Samaritan story is not a perfect teaching for marriage relationships. Agreed. Yeah. It's not that's not the that's not the core of the Samaritan's te- teaching, the Good Samaritan story. It it had definitely has crossover especially when it's talking about heart hardening our hearts and um you know, our hard hearts needing to be changed and th- those sorts of things. But it's n- we, we need to also make sure that, th- that we don't miss. When we try to immediately take the teaching into our personal relationships, I do think that we miss out on what the, the real teaching or the core of the teaching is, that it's not a prescription for our personal relationships. It's a prescription for how we treat people that we would consider our enemies. And when our paths cross, what kind of person are we going to be to that enemy? And I guess I would, I may be the type of person that stops and lectures a guy face down in the ditch. (laughs) Totally. And, and, and if that, that's, if that's the application, that's, that's square on with this teaching is to say you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't pass by. You shouldn't lecture. You should bind their wounds, pour yeah. oil and wine on them, put when them on you your donkey and walk with them into town. So a week give later, them a talking yes, to. a week later, when they're out of the hospital, you say, now tell me, what were you, we, doing? What are you oh, doing? I just want you to spend 24 hours at I Naomi's know. house. <laughs> <laughs> if it were that simple, if it were that simple to um, help someone overcome well, whatever it is that brought them to the road yeah. alone. In well, the I first was going to ask you because <laughs> there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of other places where this question asker can go for wisdom in the Bible, right? For oh, like, totally. I'm in this relationship and I thought I was loving and actually I was enabling. So in your profession, mm. you probably come across this mm. quite a bit, right? And you mm-hmm. probably have, what, what, what do you, yeah. What kind of insight do you have for, um, someone asking this question? Like, how do I differentiate between? Yeah. Well, I will repeat a little bit of what John said that I don't necessarily know that it's a hundred percent applicable to marriage, which I see is not totally your question. Um, and codependency is a really tricky, um, term or, you know, the idea of it, um, because typically what it means is that, um, you're thinking more about yourself than you are the person you're caring for. And so, um, I wasn't totally clear on the question itself. Is the person <laughs> saying that they are codependent on the person or are they thinking that the, they're enabling someone else to be codependent on them? Yeah, like they the, thought they were being loving, mm-hmm. but but the relationship is in fact a codependent relationship. It's dysfunctional. Yeah. Right. It's unhealthy. But One yeah. way or the other. Right. Uh, gotcha. Right. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot to talk about just what it looks like to have a healthy relationship and what um, how important boundaries are, how important self-awareness is, um, depending upon the type of relationship. If it is a marriage, there's gotta be a lot of understanding. You have to know who the person is that you're helping, what their weaknesses are, you know, does the, um, 
you work a lot on these types of issues, boundaries mm-hmm. issues with uh, Naomi's. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and the reason is, and I would defend the man who was beaten in the sand or traveling, uh, all, by traveling all by himself, <laughs> road is that there was probably some reasons beh- behind that. And, uh, yeah. you know, the reason why we have to do so much work around boundaries and safe and healthy relationships is because so much, and if not most, probably all of the women we serve have had abusive childhoods. And so they mm. have grown up not understanding and not knowing what's healthy and what's safe. And so that's why there's so much work around that to teach them as adults mm-hmm. what that looks like. And it's very complicated. You would think you could just tell someone, don't travel alone. You might, it might be dangerous and they mm-hmm. would get it. Um, but yeah, my, my thought on it, you know, to answer this person's, you know, question, um, I think in this situation, if if you're the Jewish traveler on the side of the road and you're worried about codependency and all that, like you don't need the rescue, mm. this right? That you need a a coach, a mentor, a counselor, somebody that you can share these details with about what's actually going on in the relationship and um, you know, you you need help potentially. It, it, the person talks about abuse. So I'm um, enabling dysfunction and participating in abuse. Well, if you're in an abusive situation, you need to get out of that situation. You need to find a place to go that can be safe. Um, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of other things that I would offer as, um, you know, in this situation. Find a mentor. Find somebody to talk to. Find a counselor. Find a coach. Um, that you can share the yeah, details Yeah, the, the only other thing that I would add to it that maybe I was trying to say earlier is that if you're trying to help someone, I would say outside of marriage, um, there there are a lot of best practices on what oh, that totally. looks like mm-hmm. so that you, are, you don't become an enabler and that person doesn't become codependent on you. It probably would be a whole other podcast just to discuss totally. what that looks like. I I, actually, I don't know what I would tell someone who's in a marriage that is saying, I'm not sure if it's good. I mean, that that's to me feels like a whole different type of conversation because you're married. And so mm-hmm. I don't know where that line is necessarily. Go talk to Pastor Kelly. Yes. Well, and <laughs> it's, it's not uncommon for marriages can foster dysfunction at any point along the way. Sherry and I have been married 29 years. It would be easy for us to follow into, we're in a new season of empty nest. We could follow, fall into some really unhealthy patterns in the, empty, the newness of the empty nest time. And so it's, it's not uncommon for marriages to go through healthy, unhealthy cycles mm-hmm. where we're functioning well, mm-hmm. functioning poorly. Just like you know, any of us as individuals go through seasons where we're, we're handling our food well, we're handling our thought patterns well, and other times when we're not. So when that happens, what I see trips people up often in marriages, one spouse says we're not functioning well, and the other spouse says we're fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what to do when, mm. what to do when only one is wanting to pull the alarm mm-hmm. and say, Let's get help. Mm-hmm. And, and I often say, it, it's fine to go to counseling alone at that point. And if you, if, you know, if you can't get your spouse to go with you, then go on your own if you have concerns and, mm-hmm. and work on... Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you know, part of it. You're part of it, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. Let's go to our, uh, let's see, second to last question here. Question number four. Can we love our neighbor without trusting them? Some of the people we are to love don't feel very trustworthy. 
Also, what does it look like to love someone who acts foolish? Okay, so this is this is my Samaritan. Uh, mm. No, this is my traveler. Mm. He's, I feel like he's done something stupid. How do we love them? <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to play the devil's advocate mm-hmm. here, but no, we. I'm trying we, to raise the tension. You are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The traveler on the side of the road is not somebody that we need to be worried about being codependent with. Yeah. The, the teaching is rescuing and helping those who are opposed to you as your enemy. So we need to put the person in that category. Now, there are other teaching and secondary t- teachings that come yeah. out of it, right? Like we're not talking about long-term care and rehabilitation for this person on the side of the road, right? Well, like, what if he just goes alone again the next day. That's my point. Or what if we have... That's not in the teaching. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> There's other teachings that help us with that. The teaching is about the enemy at the right. side of the road that you are radically opposed to, and because your heart has been hardened by your own drawing of boundaries of who you help and who you don't. That's what Jesus is getting like, at here. Okay. What you're saying, the stage is set to where the, this person, you have disdain, you have opposition, you have a hatred right. towards this person before they've done anything you deem stupid. Right. They, you, they haven't this done is, anything yet, this you is, already hate this person. This is, yes. It's, it's difficult to draw modern equivalencies. Right. And but not just let's, to hate, but generational opposition. Totally. Generational. Hmm. Oh, well, yeah, the I Samaritans. Could, I could muster up my own hate in a single generation. I mean, you I can, but that's... But it's deeply ingrained. Yeah, what, the, per, point. the point of a Samaritan was to tell... Story. Sto- he he could have taught a, a le- he, Jesus could have taught this lesson by not using a Samaritan as well. He could have made another priest comes along and the priest cares for the Jewish person. The point is not the what should like how do we care and rehabilitate and equip those who are needy. That's not the teaching in mm. in my opinion. Mm. There's there's possibly <laughs> some secondary applications there, but the primary application is. You harden your hearts towards people who are not like you, and you limit your love based on ethnic, racial, or whatever boundaries you choose to put in your, your life. Well, the and gospel my, fits. Yeah, my, and, and you're trying to achieve and earn and prove and justify yourself by doing so. And I'm Jesus, and I'm coming in, and I'm saying, I'm blowing that all up. And the only way that you're going to actually be able to do this is through me. And... Because the standard is that you would actually care for and rescue your enemy in his time of need. Just, I was going to say, in the gospel fits there really well. That's why Augustine would say Jesus is actually the Samaritan caring for people Mm. that have offended him. Right. Mm -hmm. Us. His worst, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... There is um, this is this is actually why I didn't say this in my sermon. This is actually why there there is a pretty appropriate application for a hospital to be called a good Samaritan hospital. There isn't potentially a great application for a long term. Mm. Uh, if you called Naomi's mm-hmm. house the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. house, I would go. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe at the one front end of that, but your vision mm-hmm. for developing and rehabilitating mm-hmm. and all, mm-hmm. it, it's More not. Familial. Yeah, it's it's not a Good Samaritan mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. Good Samaritan ministry is, is rescue and care for those that you are radically opposed to, your enemies, the people you've just hardened your heart to and justified yourself by saying, I don't have to care for them. I can care for my own, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we have that all over the place. We'll get to it in the next question a little bit. 
that that stuff is all over the place. And we try, we often want to make that a kind of a personal one-to-one. Like I really don't like my neighbor who lives right next door to me. Well, there might be an element of hard heartedness that you need to work on. And the good Samaritan story. Yeah, it does apply to that, but it's good. not. Yeah. Well yeah. then question number five, gets at the heart of it. <laughs> right, right. So in question number five, uh, tied in here in today's world, who are, the Jews and Samaritans. How do I apply this passage more specifically to my life and world today? Yeah, I just rattled off a few different categories here. I think of things like rich versus poor, the way that the rich um, often talk about the poor and the way that the poor often talk about the rich. If a poor person were walking on the side of the road and saw a rich person, you know, modernize the story. He's in a, you know, a Porsche you got just got robbed of the poor person walking on the road they're going to look at that that guy got what he deserved there's no way i'm entering into that i'm not helping that per you know so rich versus poor i think of african americans versus white supremacists this one is really um kind of hard to nuance but i think of those ca- that the extreme of that those two categories could potentially be um a modern uh, application Biden versus Trump. I think we've seen some, some, some good pictures of, of people who support Biden and people who support Trump. Like there's one that's going around right now, their neighbors, one's really a Trump supporter. One's really Biden supporter and they're, they still remain friends and they, but in large part, you know, those two camps are growing more and, and more apart, right. And are getting angrier and angrier and, there's violence at rallies on both sides, and it's just the. Those... There's a real concern for violence on November fourth oh, among yeah. the disappointed. Mm. Oh yeah, voters. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, we've seen pictures, right, of violence t- towards each other, mm-hmm. you know, and um, certainly a lack of care and rescue and help for for people that are not in your political camp. I think there's the American-born. I'm born in America versus an immigrant. Um, those categories and would we help and give our time and money long-term care in our or, um, rescue to um, to immigrants refugees versus Americans same sort of um, distinctions two separate groups and then I, I put in homosexual versus straight I think we see a lot of um, sort of a division mm-hmm. of those two camps an unwillingness to even associate, let alone help each other. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you guys have other ones. I had someone, this is years back now, maybe a decade ago, I was working the aisles between services, meeting and greeting folks, and shook someone's hand that I didn't recognize. I said, is it your first Sunday here? He said, it's our second Sunday. And um, he went on to explain that he had come from another church because they were supporting people who were illegal in, illegally in the country. And I said, oh, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, they were giving them food and clothing, mm-hmm. and they were helping them find shelter, and these are illegal immigrants. I said, okay. And, I, <clears throat> and so it was Sunday morning. It was five minutes before services started. I wasn't going to get into it. Um, they didn't stay long at Glowing Bible Church either. Um, they were looking for a church that would uh, um, publicly condemn lawbreakers on this topic Hmm. Um, his own he's all for immigration but didn't want illegal immigrants to be cared for by the church 
saw that as coddling lawbreakers. Um, and there's a, you know, he, he was, um, he had a, a narrative that went with it about how his father was an immigrant, they came with nothing, um, and if you play within the rules, you too can be, you get rewarded. I think you left you left off pro life versus pro choice. Hey, that's pretty good mm-hmm. too. That's a hot yep. one. I wonder, mm-hmm. Simone, in your mm-hmm. world, the stigma of being trafficked. Mm-hmm. Are there? And I want to ask particularly: Are there Christians you meet with that don't want anything to do with them? Won't stop and help them. Mm-hmm. Um, great question. And what I've learned is that if you approach someone with our vision of how we're helping women who have been trafficked, they're in where when they find out that there's so much more to it, like addiction, um, Mm. survival, prostitution, um, lack of education, all these other vulnerabilities that had made her vulnerable to being lured into trafficking. That's where it gets sticky. Um, they'll, the idea of someone being trafficked comes across as 100% helpless. She had no say or choice in the matter whatsoever. But when you peel that back and you realize, um, she chose to stay with her trafficker or, um, she, you know, made some other choices and decisions that left her in the situation, um, that occurred, incurred more abuse. Um, that's where people struggle because not to circle back to what you said earlier about the good or the, the man being left in the sand, the Jew. Um, uh, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. If it were so black and white, I don't, maybe we would have less victims of mm-hmm. all sorts of abuse, but it's really complicated. And so pointing out those complications is where people feel uncomfortable. I have found. Mm-hmm. I think you could, you could probably just, I mean, if we're going to personalize it to Christians, <laughs> it's like Christians versus any group that doesn't fit morally make the moral choices that we think mm-hmm. they Doesn't should be the making. The we do. And mm-hmm. oftentimes our position it would be to be against them n- no mm-hmm. matter what, even in their, if you put it in this story and it was, you know, somebody, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, pornographers or something like that, you know, like some, some terrible type of immoral mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of activity and we saw that person on the side of the road, we might just say, That's a great go, ahead and, go ahead and let demonstration. them. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and let them die. Or yeah. a, a pimp in your, your situation mm-hmm. or a trafficker or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, leave them. Leave them. Yeah. I did have someone ask me one time when I was giving a presentation at a church, are there any ministries for traffickers? Mm-hmm. And I was like, jail. <laughs> <laughs> Lots Does that count? Yeah, so you're, yeah, no, you're totally... But you also said something that made me think of a, a lesson I learned early on at Naomi's house when a woman was talking to me about where she wanted to go find some new clothes. And we had some suggestions of stores or whatever. And she said, I don't shop at those stores. And um, the takeaway I had from that is, is I, was she, our job at Naomi's house is not to help women become more like me, Mm -hmm. which was, um, something that I brought to the table from day one unintentionally and my motives were pure, but they were still wrong Mm -hmm. and realizing, I know it's a silly demonstration, but there were so many just cultural differences and, um, 
just so many different ideas about who she should be that I was bringing that Mm. weren't applicable to her. And so I like how you said that earlier. And this, I feel like falls into a little bit of this, these categories. Um, we have to be so secure in who we are as Christians, as, um, our identity found in Jesus, that it's okay for someone to be different than us who also has the same image is also an image bearer this to the same level Mm -hmm. as us. And, Man, I have been really triggered recently with all of the politics and um, people being so vocal about their opinions, particularly online, of course, um, that it's just boiled down more and more into my own, you know, heart feeling like, and I hope you're okay with I say this, (laughs) but whoever is president come whenever day it is declared, because that's all another debacle, right? Um, (laughs) will probably not change what happens to the women that I work with at Naomi's mm. house. And I don't mean to sound callous to say, I don't care who's president. Cause of course I do, but it doesn't really yeah. impact even this story that you're, you know, that you were describing. It doesn't, it, there are people in front of us today mm-hmm. who need our help and whoever is president isn't going to make that big of a difference today. And the people who need us and just need our sacrificial unconditional mm. love. And I've experienced, experience that more so this election season than I ever have. Um, hey, yeah, I, just, I was on that topic. Mm-hmm. Is there an office for which someone's being elected that does impact your ministry dramatically? <laughs> and probably the zoning uh, locally, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think local in West Chicago. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, we won that. Like that. Praise yeah. God. So yeah, we're done with that. But, um, what locally, makes a difference, I think, for sure. Um, and not just in DuPage County, but surrounding counties. Those, those, to your specific question, have more of an impact on what long-term care looks like in our field. But we're also 100, and this is my point, we are 100% privately funded. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can do that, that's our dream and desire because it does kind of give us no strings attached from the government's perspective. We have my, my preference is to be accountable to the church. Mm -hmm. My preference is to be accountable to those who walk alongside us with shared theology on what this looks like and how this is played out. And that's what I would say to Christians who are, are falling into these categories where there's that tension and divisiveness is to say, I hate to break it to you, but the government will not fix our problems in front of us. It's the gospel. Mm -hmm. And if you're passionate about these very important topics that you've listed and which category we fall into, then put all your hope into Jesus, Mm -hmm. all of it. The government will not fix this. This is, he's equipped us to do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We often want other things to fix the problems and Mm. it's, 100% of the time, it's us, Mm -hmm. right? Like if Mm -hmm. we want our, Mm -hmm. our world to change our neighbor, we say this all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's voting is a part of it, Mm -hmm. but we can't, we don't put all our hope in that. We put our hope in people going, Mm -hmm. I am broken. I am a sinner. I need Jesus. And Jesus, this is what I was trying to get to at the end of my sermon was, this is what will change things Mm -hmm. is if we actually were to live out what Jesus is talking about. If we were better neighbors, mm-hmm. loving others the way that we love ourselves, th- that's the kind of change that At we want to see. At the same time, just for, I'm thinking of some listeners, we're not saying government doesn't matter. No, no I'm not saying that at all. Not I at just all. think of the, 
Yeah, I know we're not mm-hmm. saying that, but uh, the county board's work mm-hmm. in 2019, I think it was, to get rid of a pornographic yeah. site Huge. over by Wheaton North. Yeah, South, Wheaton bipartisan, North. by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, just really appreciated the county board's work there. It it resonated with me when you said, "Well, well I I will vote for the presidential election mm-hmm. and uh, and know that certainly it matters who's president." Uh, I have an increased sense, particularly during COVID of what our local government yeah. is doing and the mm-hmm. decisions they are making right. and um, just appreciate point. the burden yeah. mm-hmm. that they bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified. I'm not saying it's not important to no. vote. And I'm also not <laughs> saying the government doesn't have a role, but I'm just seeing my sense is that people are thinking that the government It'll is going fixed. to provide no. answers and solutions yeah. to what we know is the church. And I've just felt, I've just felt, I have been feeling more than ever that heightened sense of, I wish the government had more answers for us. It would be helpful, but it's just not the answer for what I'm seeing and dealing with on a a regular basis when it comes to some of these social justice issues. Simone, thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Yeah. Give us before we end, I didn't put this in the notes, but give us like what uh, what can we do? What can our listeners be doing for Naomi's house right now? Yeah. As you get to the oh, end of the year. I appreciate that. Holiday season's rough yeah, at Naomi's house. Yeah. It really just triggering. reveals, it's triggering. It shows the lack of family. Uh, it's a reminder mm-hmm. of the lack of family and just love and support. So, um, you can certainly hold us in prayer as we navigate the holidays. Um, it's easy to like, um, just go to our website, naomishouse.org, look to volunteer. We're always in need of gift cards. I always like to throw that one out because yeah. it's an easy thing for someone to do. So, uh, yeah, how's that? That's great. Is that good? Yeah. yeah. Good. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends that learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only our faith, but my faith and faith together. Thanks for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. prophecy.